Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Happy Monday, people. I hope you have your bus fare ready because it's time to get the short bus rolling. Um, this happy Monday, we are talking about prostitution. And um, we're going to talk about a little bit about the history of it, you know, where we are now with prostitution and, and kind of give you our, our idea of, of the good, the bad, and the ugly and, and our opinions on it and, and all of those instances, I guess. Um, as always, Darren Jolly is across the table from me. Hi. <laughs> so um, I actually just fucked up a minute ago and we did almost like eight minutes worth of this and take two turns out that it wasn't recording at all. So I'm going to send it over to Darren and he can repeat everything that he did <laughs> just moments ago. Well, I would say that my attitude towards sex, sex workers and, 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 and prostitution and whatnot has changed dramatically over the course of my life. I grew up, uh, when I was young as a Mormon and, uh, Mormons are uh, very puritanical, and uh, you're not even allowed to think about, I don't even think they're really allowed to think about sex as um, fun, you know, you got to wear the special underwear and all that shit. But uh, having said that, um, through some experiences that I had, um, I working, working up in Blackhawk, um, going and dealing poker on the road um, in uh, Delta Tournament in Costa Rica and Dominican Republic, where um, sex work is very... Um, common and it's uh, out in the open in both places and with the interactions that I had with with those people um, you know through those journeys kind of opened my eyes up to see that uh, no matter what you think of it it's a lot more complicated and sometimes in the U.S. we think about it a certain way because we've been bound to a certain covenant you know for so long but uh, the realities in other places where especially where you got a lot of people from the U.S. traveling to are very very different. Well, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, most of Europe, both Eastern and Western Europe, prostitution is legal. Um, I know that in a lot of different parts of Asia, prostitution is legal. When I was in Chengdu, man, boy, it was right in your face. That's Western China, so... So, it's definitely, you know, legal in other parts of the globe. Um, I don't know what the deal is with the United States, you know, why we think that we have to somehow tie everything to religion and pretend like we're fighting the good fight for whomever, right? We're, We're sticking up for all of these prostitutes, and that's why it's illegal is because these women have been forced into that career. I am I know that that's the truth in a lot of cases. I mean, human ta- trafficking is a real danger. It's a, it's a threat in the United States and, and elsewhere. Um, but that doesn't mean that all women who are prostitutes or all men who are prostitutes were trafficked in or forced to 
do that. I, I think that they've made that choice for whatever reason on their own in a lot of instances. Can I, can I Google an example? So uh, I'm not going to tell the Maria toothbrush story. We'll save that for another day. But uh, when I was in the Dominican Republic, there was a prostitute that frequently, so like we were, we all stayed in flats, right? And three guys stayed in the flats that was right across from where we were at. And there was a prostitute named Maria that frequented some of my coworkers, fellow dealers who were on the road with us, uh, their flat. She went to their flat three nights in a row. Um, she got herself a three bagger. And uh, because I was sort of like a naive liberal idiot, um, the fourth night that she was there, everybody else, they went down to the church. They called it the church. That's the brothel, right? Um, because they were looking for some other scratch. That was what their, their game was that night. But uh, our friend Mike, who was staying there, um, we were over there drinking with him. And uh, some things happened. Oddly enough, um, this was actually the day that they voted uh, for president. And everything was closed in all the Dominican Republic, except for the casino where we were dealing the poker tournament at. It was where the final. It was the finals that night. But um, having said that, uh, after some things transpired, I like we were sitting there and we were having a beer, and I, and I and I just sort of felt like she had been so objectified. I wanted to kind of turn her back into a human being for other people. And this is one of those. That's a really stupid thing for me to think, but that's a, that's an American, you know, like a, uh, liberal sentiment. But having said that, I, I I said I asked her. I said, "You vote today?" And she said, "Yeah, everybody votes," you know. And I said, uh, I said, can I ask you a question candidly? And and she's she sort of looked at me because she didn't know no, what candidly meant. meant. Yeah. yeah. So I just said I just want to be straightforward. I said, how do you feel about what you do? And she says, look, you need to understand one thing. She says, I have an apartment that I pay for that I live in by myself. She said, I have DVD player. I have a TV. I have uh, they all they all had these little scooters that they would drive around. She said, I, I have one of those. Um, I have a lot of freedom that I would not have otherwise if it weren't for that. So that's that's how I feel about it. And I really that was just a fucking big slap across my face. And it was just an eye opening kind of thing. This is not something that anybody had. And again, like Brian said, there's no doubt there are there are things uh, that cause or allow for these sort of vacuous spaces where these horrible things happen. You know, I mean, in, in the Middle East and like all over the place, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh um, having said that, it's not just this black or white thing. There are many shades of gray when you're dealing with questions of, of sex workers. So, yeah, and I, but I mean to make it illegal because we're trying to protect somebody is just fucking stupid. I mean, honestly, and really, what it's doing is it's probably putting a lot of those people that we're supposed to be trying to protect in danger. Um, because, you know, since everything's done in that black market space, now, you know, they have more of a chance to get raped. They have more of a chance to get beaten. They have more of a chance to have an STD and to pass that on to whoever just paid them. Um, there's so much shit that can happen because it's not legal and it's not regulated. Um, you know, it, you and I talked about it. It's, it's just like the drugs thing, except instead of making a batch of crystal meth and, and blowing your apartment up, you're going to get 
fucking HIV and give it to 50 people. You, you mentioned something important in take one, uh, but I think you should definitely go back to that, the change in Colorado law this, this last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could have said it since you just kind of did, but so earlier this year, and I, I think similar legislation has been passed in, in different States throughout the country. But, um, here in Colorado, we just passed legislation to sort of help with the issue that I, I just mentioned. Um, so basically, a lot of prostitutes never used to report crimes. So if they were mugged or, or robbed, if they were raped, if they were beaten up, if any of these things happened... They wouldn't report it because they knew that the first thing that would happen is the cops would find out that they were a prostitute and then charge them as a prostitute and probably not investigate the other fucking crime at all. Well, now it's on the books. It's gone through and, and it's passed. Um, so if a prostitute does report a crime, they will not be charged as a prostitute because of reporting that crime. If they get busted the next day or, or whatever, they can still get in trouble for being, you know, for selling sex, um, but not because they reported the crime. Which at least opens the door to, to the concept of regulation. Like it, another place that I went to when I dealt the poker tournament was uh, in Costa Rica. And Costa Rica is like uh, the market for for sex is gigantic. I mean, there's, uh, and for every, every, every flavor, right. Um, straight by trans. I mean, it's all, it's all there. And, uh, when I got off the plane, they had a big, uh, billboard that said, if you're coming here to look for sex with somebody that's underage, you're going to, we're going to lock you away and throw 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 away the key. So they, they make this point right there. They know that it's there. Um, the, the people that practice uh, sex work. So there's two really big, big uh, um, brothels down, in, down there, the Del Mar and the Del Rey. They're right next to each other. Um, when the workers go in, they, they, they clock in. And it's not like a time clock. It's just sort of like I'm in the activity of, you know, trying to engage in this, you know, uh, business, right? And uh, the sex workers, at least during 2007, or 2008 when I was down there, uh, they were required to get tested twice a month. And uh, this was something that uh, they had put a lot of thought into. And that there's something about that that, uh, like 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 Brian has suggested, when you take something out of that dark corner and you bring it out into the open and uh, you create a space to where there's honesty and there's a possibility for people who are engaging it to be protected from those darker undersides. It's important shit to have. And, you know, the... The hookers that work the different ranches in Nevada, they are also required to be tested. And they don't have to worry about being mugged or, or I guess they could still be raped. But, you know, they're within the, the confines of that business, that brothel. So well, something that's happening. They're nowhere, too. So if somebody tried to pull some shit. Yeah, they might end up being buried in a hole if they did. Um but yeah, so, and that's the only state where prostitution is legal, and it's not legal within 
different cities. And and that's something so totally when we when we talk about the the history of prostitution here in the United States anyway. Um so obviously, you know, in the the old west prostitution was legal. Um and even after what a lot of people would call the old west. So some important dots on the timeline um 1908 the bureau of investigation was founded um in 1910 the man act was passed and that's man m a n n not man like man um so the man act was basically another name for it was the white slavery act um and basically it said that transporting women across state lines for the purposes of sex was against the law. Now, that was the first law federally that basically kind of started putting the kibosh on prostitution. But because of the way the Constitution reads and and the different amendments and, and codes and all of that stuff, um, sex could not be criminalized at the federal level. So the Mann Act was the first step, but each individual state and even more, each individual city and county had to make their own decision on what they were going to do with prostitution, which is why in Nevada, you've got all of these counties outside of Clark, which Clark County is where Vegas is. Um, outside of Clark County where prostitution is legal and in Clark County, it's not. Um, and so fucking weird dude. <laughs> and in Denver, for example, um, the Denver police and fire board abolished prostitution in 1913. So, it was really kind of weird, like between 1910 when the Mann Act was passed and 1920, the majority of those cities and counties got rid of prostitution. There were huge, huge, um, oh, I don't know what to call it really. I mean, but it was just activism all against prostitution. Um so but in a political issue you're suggesting during that time period where everybody wanted to make it illegal? Absolutely. And I don't know why. Again, 1908, Bureau of Investigation, 1910, Man Act, and then 1913 in Denver it was illegal, 1917 in San Francisco it became illegal. 1910, yeah. So, I mean, it just started kind of snowballing from, from 1910 after the Man Act. Um, and it's been illegal ever since, you know, making housewives and girlfriends across the United States just feel so safe and secure knowing that their men are not cheating. Um, here's some kind of amusing shit that I found. Uh, well, Amusing, maybe 
that <laughs> depends. Um, but cool for sure. So I always thought the red light district was just because for some reason on TV shows and stuff, I always see women in general, not just hookers, but they put some sort of like scarf or something over the, the lamp on the side of the bed. And it kind of creates this reddish glow. So I kind of thought that maybe hookers or whoever ran the brothel just liked red lights and, you know, the biggest owner of the biggest brothel at whatever time had red lights to advertise, hey, we got hookers over here. Well, that wasn't the case at all. The reason that red light districts started getting that name is because railroad workers carried these fucking lanterns that had a blinking red light on them. And they would hang them up outside the door of whatever whorehouse they were at or whore they were with, whatever, so that the other railroad workers would know where they were. So the blinking red light and the railroad workers is where the red light district came from. (laughs) You don't have to put on the red light. That's a good That's enough. That was a good Eddie Murphy impression, yeah, dude. I've been, I've been working on it a lot. So here, here's, here's kind of an example of the good and the bad, right? So there was a woman who was one of the biggest madams of, of the time. So in 1882, um, there were two papers that were similar to... I don't know, like here in Denver, they call it the Westward. I can't remember what they call it in Phoenix, but they're these newspapers that advertise, like right now they advertise weed and sex for sale and and different music and, and whatever. So in 1882, the Denver Republican, which was a newspaper, reported that the wrestler and the patrol were two periodicals devoted to um, immorals and advertising for Cyprians. <laughs> so that was in 1882. Um, in 1892, there was actually a full guide published called A Reliable Guide to the pleasure resorts of Denver. And the reason I mentioned that is because the pleasure resorts of Denver were basically on about two and a half blocks of this street downtown called Market Street. Um, they also referred to it as Holiday Street because you could go and drink and gamble and have sex with prostitutes. Um, one of the madams who owned a couple of houses on Market Street talked about the girls that worked at her house or houses. And she said that they would make anywhere from 30 to a hundred bucks a night. So you got to consider this is in fucking 1892. 1892. That's a lot of scratch. dude. Right now they would have to pay up to 50% of that back to the house for room and board, but they were still making 30 to a hundred dollars a night when every other woman that was working as in a laundry or as a typist typesetter, I should say, um, maybe a, a cook, um, they were making like a dollar a week. So 
even if you cut that in half, you're still making $15 to $50 a night. So you're fucking rolling fat. A couple of the girls ended up buying their own brothels because of the fact that they did well. Um, now, that's the, the good. The bad is that at the same time, there were these places called crib joints or crib houses. And essentially, these rooms didn't have room for anything but a bed that was the size of a crib. And so these girls stood in the doorways and tried to get guys to come in to their little crib. Now, those girls made like $6 a night, which still isn't bad, except you still had to pay for your crib. And then because they were paying, well, $6 a night, I need to check that report again because they said that they were only making a dime a dime, a dime per time. <laughs> um, so that means that if they were making $6 a night, they were fucking 60 dudes a night. That seems like a lot. No, that's like a bukkake nightmare. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's right. So $6 a night, maybe it was $6 a week. Um, either way, that's that's the bad part, right? So there's these girls on the other side of the street that are getting basically $10 every time they do it and they're making 10 cents every time they do it. It's a, it's a competitive marketplace, you know? Yeah, it is. And you got to make sure and have a product for every customer available. And that was in an unregulated space. So I watched a, I watched a documentary the other day. um, And this is, this is more of like the, the bad, but it's also important to like see from a certain angle that uh, that this is culturally like bound in certain locations, right? So uh, this this movie was it was a documentary about kids that were uh, born in brothels in Calcutta, and uh, like in one instance there was a one of these little girls uh, that was it's both both boys and girls that they have, but there's one one of the, one of the kids was a little girl, and her mom worked there, her grandma worked there, and her great grandmother worked there, so she was. Uh, a fourth generation potential uh, prostitute and this uh, sort of British Indian gal, she comes in and she's the one that's uh, doing the, uh, the documentary and she's trying to get an out for these kids. And the idea is, is the only out is you got to get, you got to get them into these schools and they have to commit to the schools and stay in those schools permanently. Otherwise, like if you go there and you're there for six months and then you go back home, say la vie, right? Um, and she got like six or seven of them into these schools, but only two of them managed to to stay out of it. And when that sort of like cultural disposition is is like stuck and you're brought up in that environment, like you, you're going to be nominally conditioned by possibilities that are in front of your face or at the fringes of what's going on in front of your face. So uh, what that lady was doing was cool, but it's you know that is just so fucked and and i'm sure that that kind of thing happens here you know i mean because generally speaking you know if if you're poor you kind of end up i guess cursed to 
the life of your parents. And who knows, maybe if you're rich, you end up cursed to the life of your parents too. It's just different because it's a, an entirely different kind of curse. Um, but, you know, like a, a lot of fathers who ended up in jail, you know, their sons ended up in jail and, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I'm sure that that kind of thing happened in the United States too, because a lot of these women who are turning tricks, especially if they don't have like a house or a, a hotel room or whatever, I think that they might end up turning tricks in their cars. And if they're turning tricks in their cars and they got kids, then, you know, what do you do with, the kids when it's 11 30 12 o'clock at night do you give them a plastic bag and tell them to go play i mean what what do you, go play with that rat what? it's not yeah, it's not a good situation and there and, and that's the reality that they're going to be conditioned in, into yes so now these girls regardless where where india here it's a Anywhere. fucked yeah. up situation. Um, and in India, there is regulation, right? Well, it did not. I, I, w I would say so. It's legal, but like I like I said, there's all I know you, weird, there was the weird no pimping, no pandering, no brothels. Yeah, no bro. Yeah, and and then these these people were these 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 were all kids of parents who were in brothels, so. It's not legal to have a brothel, but you have a brothel, you know. So, like, I, this is where, when when we would like, presumably, if we're going to enter into the space where there's meaningful regulation, I would much rather go down the space like Costa Rica than you know, one where you know you you say that it's legal, but you have all these uh, places that make it to where obviously you have to be paying a bunch of people a bunch of kickbacks to turn their head, right? Well, and that's what I was going to say is it sounds like one of those situations where certain people get away with it and others just don't. Yeah, because you're not paying the tax. Yeah. Or whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. You're not smoking this guy's hog. Or... And that was another, that was what I was about to say is, you know, a lot of prostitutes have complained on documentaries that I've seen and stuff where cops are taking freebies because, well, you know. I'll turn my head. Blow me and I won't bust you. Fuck me and I won't bust okay. you, whatever the case is. I think if it were regulated, then that kind of shit disappears too. You need to remove the position of power from, from, from people who are existing in the legal framework. That I mean, when the people that, whether it's the executives or the – the magistrates, you know, well, at least the enforcement people. Yeah. We, yeah. But in, in, in both instances, you want to create a, you know, a legal environment to where, uh, to where they can, they can defend themselves to where they have a space. That's a legal space to where they can, you know, I can go get my, uh, my, uh, card, you know, my license, you know, and well, and just blah, blah, blah. to where there's no question. Yeah. Because if there's, you know, some weird loophole or some, vague, you know, legalese, um, then again, you know, some people are getting busted and some, and some aren't. aren't. Yeah, that's that's just, we, we, we need to, our legal 
environment is just such a shite. Well, I wasn't yeah. talking about here. Now I was jumping back to the India thing. I still think um, that our legal environment can be like that a lot too. Oh, it is. We're not, we're not nearly as well. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a different conversation for a different day. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it it is. Um, and I'm sure we will have that conversation at some point again. Um, cause I know we've touched on it a couple of different times. Um, so, you know, I mean, you said at the beginning of the show that because you were a Mormon, that your idea of prostitution has changed over time. And, and I think that mine has to, to a degree. Um, and what I, what I mean is, so I used to always say I would never go to a prostitute because I'm not going to pay for it. And the fact of the matter is we all pay for it in one way or the other. Um, you know, whether it's buying dinner or drinks, which I'm not saying that we're the only ones that do that. I know that, that women reciprocate on that end too. And believe me, I know women pay for it one way or the other too. Um, but we, we all pay for it, whether it's financially through, you know, gifts or dinners or whatever, or rent or, whatever the case is there or emotionally having to fucking listen to you fucking whine and cry for hours <laughs> at a time. I mean, I, I love the way you, <laughs> you put yourself in these spaces where you, there's just not any even like just a, even a smidgen of uh, sympathy or thought. It's just shit talk. No, no, I do have sympathy. And, and I definitely did. And it wasn't because I necessarily thought I was going to have sex, but I tried to genuinely listen when I thought it was appropriate to do so. But, but the way that you just said it there is a little bit different than the way that well, you Well, right. It, but, but it's because sometimes they repeat the same complaint over and over and over again to where, you know, the, Okay, yeah, Trump's a fucking asshole. There's nothing I can do about it. So how much are you going to complain about Trump? I can't fix Trump. Can't do it. There's nothing I can do, but just all the time. Trump, 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 and other things too. But yeah, I mean, I'm fucking... But that's the nature of relationships all the way, right? I mean... Which is why I said we're all going to pay for it yeah. one way or another. Yeah, we interact. We have our interactions. You know, sex is a part of interacting when you're in a relationship. Hopefully, you know, presumably. So, yeah, there there is cost. I mean, to, to that extent, I... I still think... It, I do like my... The residual effects of growing up Mormon... I just don't think that I'm ever going to be able to get out from underneath that entirely. You know, you and I, before we even talked about having the podcast, mm -hmm. um, you and I talked about that and, and we kind of like tiptoed around and, and didn't really say anything one way or the other, but dude, honestly, 
I don't think it has jack shit to do with you being a Mormon. I think, and when I say this, I'm not talking about prostitution solely. I'm talking about prostitution while in a relationship. So it doesn't have anything to do with you being a Mormon. You're a good fucking guy, dude. And that doesn't have anything to do with being a Mormon. Because I, I know some cock-sucking Mormons, dude. I was single when I was in the Dominican Republic. I did, I did not do it. Um, you want to know, at the beginning of mine and Annie's relationship, though, that was when I was in Costa Rica, right? So, like, we're, we're FaceTiming, you know, or whatever they called it back then. It was at the beginning of that. And I said, uh, I told her, I said, we went down to the, to the brothel last night. And she says, oh, did you... Did you try, you know? And I'm like, are you, dude, I'm in a relationship with you. What do you mean? She's like, but you're down there. You know, you're in this place where you have all these different flavors. This is, this is my partner, my female partner saying this to me. Right. And she said, she said, you're an idiot. If I had one of those things, I'd try every flavor. That was (laughs) straight up what she said to me. And, uh, I, I don't know. She's she's a one of a kind. Every sure. flavor. That's what she said. <laughs> but well, you're, right, you're right. I can't. I mean, I, whether whether it's right or wrong, it's just hard for me to ever negotiate doing that when I'm in the middle of something. Well, like I said, I think it's just because you're a good guy. I don't. I and the Mormon, the Mormon religion and practice of it may have some part of it you know but i don't i don't think you can say it's just because i mean really especially at our age now and really at any age you know your your morals are just kind of like uh what dude said in big trouble in little china he said you know it's like dim sum, we take what we want and put the rest back. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is. I mean, you know, and so we take a little bit from what we learn from our mom and a little bit from what we learn from our dad. Maybe we had a fucking teacher that we liked a lot, so we take a little bit from them, a little bit from fucking organized religion for whatever that's worth. <laughs> and, so you know. that go again? <laughs> Um, and then, you know, we end up with the way we're fucking shaped and the way we act. Yeah, of course. I mean, I get where it works. I, I, it just, it's odd how, I mean, I quit going to church when I was 13, when I met you, incidentally, consequently. I wonder if, if anything, had there was any cause and effect going on right there. But uh, um, <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not blaming anybody for anything, but there was definitely a door that was opened up and... Uh, I, I believe that I walked through it with the open eyes. Yeah, I sure. may have opened the fucking door, but I didn't push it no, through, no, dude. No, no, no. Like I said, I'm not blaming anybody for anything. But it really is odd how how much residue from that that time period still sort of like. And there's no doubt. Like I'm not when 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 I had my my first big relationship and in between that and and my current one. I I went a little wild there for a little while, and I think that's important sometimes in life. Sometimes you got, and I'm not going to put my fucking sex life on blast, but so it's weird. I'm trying to think, like, I mean, obviously the religion thing, you know, they Sodom and Gomorrah talking about that. Um, 
you realize that there were whores. Um, prostitution was bad. But I don't think that my mom, like, I can't remember her ever talking to me about prostitution. And I maybe it was because she didn't know how to broach that subject, or maybe it was because she figured, well, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Where he earns you, his own money. Where do you think that would come in at? Is that part of the birds and the bees conversation? That's what I was saying. I don't know if she'd like, no, if she just didn't know how to broach it or if um, she didn't think that it mattered because it would never come up. I, I don't know. Like I've heard stories about like dads that took their sons to prostitutes like for a first time to get rid of their virginity. Yeah. Um and that just That's odd. Yeah. fucking blows my mind. Yeah, I just I can't weird. even imagine that like if i actually had a kid i can imagine you know talking to him about sex um but not not unless not, you're like a gangster or something not like if you're tony soprano's kid or something like that even then i think well, he wouldn't have taken no, you're right he wouldn't have taken aj that's for sure and AJ, i think that he knew that AJ would be competent in his own, his own way. So my favorite book in the world is this book called Lamb, right? And it's it's a it's a book written. The story is written by Jesus' best friend growing up with him. His name's Levi, but he goes by Biff, right? So in the time period from when, like, he knows he's the Messiah, like from from Jump Street, but like, if I just can't imagine, like, what what is a six year old or a seven year old going to think of? You, uh, you know, so if you think your mom tells you the Messiah and God tells you the Messiah. Like, so it's about that process, which I think is kind of a fun journey to kind of fuck around with. So they go on a journey to go find the three wise men. And when they get to the first town, uh, Jesus, he's like, I don't think I could have sex. He's like, but I really want to know what sex feels like. Right. So they give he gives all of his money to Biff and Biff buys prostitutes and Jesus is in the room next to him. And, and they start talking to each other and the prostitute's like, you didn't ask for that when you, we paid for this. You don't, we don't get a, an audience here, son. You know, you got to throw in a couple of extra shillings or something. I've only read that twice and it is a great book by the way, but he ends up getting a fucking STD and Jesus has to heal him, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's a fucking wonderful book. It's, it's hilarious. hilarious. And prostitutes are all... I mean, in all the different, because they start from uh, Galilee area, right? And then they go all the way east. They go into uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan and down into India. Yeah, they go. And prostitutes are everywhere. Yeah. Which is a fact. Like Brian said, it's been a huge part of global history. It's not something, and it's foolish for us to, like, try to pretend. Even, even as I say that I'm fucked in the head because of my Mormonism, I think that part of me trying to get over being fucked in my head because of my Mormonism is in saying these are things that we probably should embrace less hypocritically. Well, and just because you're not going to partake doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge the existence of. Or be in favor of it. And, you know, say, you know, let's do this. I'm not going to ever fucking smoke meth. 
but I do think meth should be legal. Well, and we don't we don't smoke weed anymore. No, for years, and yeah, we, you know, everybody want to go smoke weed. Go do what you want to do. Get some get some hash, some some crackle or crack the stuff that you heat up real fucking hot and so much fucking THC <laughs> that it fucking makes your eyes turn purple. <laughs> if you want to do it. As my buddy Quang said when we were kids, if you want to do it, man, fucking do it. Do it. Um, I, I, I almost started talking about weed because burn victims who have, because pot smokers are fucking geniuses, you know. Um, so these new wax things, the dabs, people are lighting themselves on fire doing them and so these pot smokers end up in the hospital and they've got a lot of times like third degree burns and they're in a great deal of pain um but because they've been smoking this high potency weed for so long shatter that was the word I was that now painkillers do not help them get rid of the pain um which is something that doctors are now acknowledging because for a long time they said, well, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. It's different receptors, all of this other stuff. And so they're kind of confused why it doesn't, but it doesn't. So I just wanted to mention that since we, I think that if you take a fucking flame and you, you take your shatter and heat it up to where you smoke it and you give yourself a third degree burn, I think that you should have some pain at that point in time. Well, we're not just talking about like a little bit on your hand. I we're know. talking about them like on fire. Yeah. That's why I quit smoking weed, guys, because I just got stupid at some point in time. And I like to have a brain. And apparently they forgot the stop, drop, and roll thing the that stop. they learned in school. They should have. Maybe, maybe they stopped teaching that once they started giving everybody fucking awards and shit, you know? No Everyone wins at field day. Burn up. <laughs> now go get yourself a hooker. <laughs> All right. So we're coming up 145. Um, on Wednesday, we are going to continue this wonderful conversation by introducing hookers in the media and we're talking about like movies and television shows um you know some of my favorites i think are are sun city um night shift dr detroit um you, you have to talk about pretty woman even though it's like the worst fucking hooker movie in the history of the world and yeah. sends all the fucking wrong messages we'll talk about that more did you, did you ever see Leaving Las Vegas, dude? Oh, great fucking flick. So depressing, dude, like, though, dude. It's pain. I watched it again a couple of days ago for this, and I hadn't watched it since the first time I watched it because Nicolas Cage is just really probably maybe one of his best roles. Like, it, But it, it hurts to fucking watch that movie, dude. So depressing. And it's, it's depressing from her side, too, dude, Elizabeth, because her, Elizabeth Shue is – so fucked up like her life isn't anything grand to no. begin with but she's so in love with this guy and she's trying to do everything for him and he still just wants to fucking die it's a, 
it's it's a beautiful movie, like in a, an incredibly tragic way. So and and really Elizabeth Shue's best best performance ever. I mean, a lot she come a long way from fucking Karate Kid, that's for sure. What about Adventures in Babysitting? Oh yeah, dude? I forgot about that. That was fucking brilliant. Yeah, she actually had a bit <laughs> role in uh, Deconstructing Harry for. Uh, which has a lot of good prostitute stuff in it. It's fucking hilarious and just disgusting in, in a total Woody Allen way. Well, that's what I was going to say is um, there was another Woody Allen movie that they talk about hookers a lot. But yeah, so anyway, we're going to talk about we'll talk about movie, cookie, movie cookie. hookers. We'll talk about Cookie from uh, Deconstructing Harry next time. Yeah, so on Wednesday, and then on Friday, um, we're going to kind of continue the whole Times Square urban renewal thing and actually talk about urban renewal. Or maybe not. You want to call it gentrification? No, no, no. I'm just, you know, the, with the urban renewal is how it's sold, and then, of course, we'll talk about all the policies and the shit stuff that they do to everybody else to fucking fuck people over. Right. So it's, well, it's definitely urban renewal for like rich people. It helps them out a lot. Just continue along the happiness, the, the joy that we spread. All right, people. So we'll see you in a couple days when we talk about movies and hookers. And, um, yeah. Risky business. <laughs> Later. <laughs> See, oh wait, no! You got to tell them seven two zero three three four. Roll, bitches. And uh, also on Twitter and TikTok, I think. In the email. Oh yeah, shortbusdebateclub at yahoo.com. Clom. 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 See you later. <laughs>